Hello and welcome to In Line with Nature, the podcast that explains an approach to building that puts the future of our planet first. With me, Hannah McInnes. In this series, I talk to experts about modern day construction, its impact on the natural world, and why the time for change is now. I'll be talking to our series of guests about new approaches to design, reimagining a built environment that's at one rather than at odds with nature. Hi, my name is Catherine DeWolf. I'm a professor at ETH Zurich and I work on circular engineering for architecture. So I look at uh, digital technologies that can help us move the built environment from a linear to a circular economy model. So let's start with circular as a word, right. which obviously is what you study. It's what you know so much about. But for people who are listening, just explain more about circular engineering, this idea that you want to foster a circular built environment. Right. So when I talk about circular construction, I talk about closing loops, narrowing loops, slowing loops and regenerating loops. So it's really thinking about loops, right? Closing loops is uh, the reuse of building materials at the end of life of a building so that we can reuse them in the start of life of another building. Or when you talk about regenerating loops, it's about creating buildings with regenerative materials or uh, thinking about communities, how can we regenerate through the built environment? I should take a step back and ask, what made you interested in this? Well, I've always been interested in the environment, generally. uh, And I was always very interested in things that are very pragmatic and mathematical. So I studied civil engineering, uh, but I was also very interested in things that were very creative. So I studied also architecture. And I also wanted to do something with an impact. And the construction sector is one of the most polluting sectors. So I really got interested in how to make construction less polluting. How do we make it generate less waste? And how do we make it deplete less resources? Just um, tell listeners some of the things that startle or worry you most when you say it's very polluting. We're here at the forum now and there are really alarming statistics. What are some of the ones that made you really sit up and listen? As uh, the building sector is responsible for about 40% of our greenhouse gas emissions, so that's a crazy amount. Just uh, the main materials that we are using for uh, building right now are are really uh, using a lot of greenhouse gas emissions to produce those materials. So if we can rethink these materials and other materials so that we can build for our needs in a way that we use less of those materials or in a way that we reuse those materials or in a way that we use materials that are regenerating, I think we can really have an impact as actors of the construction sector uh, in this crisis that we're living now. One of the things that you specialize in, isn't it, is You know, you mentioned you were pragmatic and mathematical and studied civil engineering. And I know that you specialize in how digital innovation, so machine learning and and robots and computer design and things can be brought in to this sector of the built environment. But I'm sure many people immediately say we just often think of automation and AI as the antithesis of this future that's in line with nature. So why is it very important that we think differently, that we don't separate them entirely one Mm -hmm. from the other? That's a really good question because I think there are all of these emerging technologies like AI uh, you mentioned, and they are going to develop 
regardless or of how we stand towards those technologies. So I think we might as well use them for good. And so what I'm trying to do is also offering opportunities for people who want to develop those technologies to apply them to make the world a better place. So if we use AI to predict patterns of reuse in a city so that we actually can reuse building materials rather than throwing them away or burning them, then I think it's good that we have this technology, right? And and it enables us to do things that we weren't able to do before. And so I want to harvest this power of these technologies for the service of a more regenerative community. And is that also because it's inclusive? So it's not trying to alienate what has gone before or, you know, pit one lot against the other. And it makes that makes the whole thing more collaborative. Exactly. I mean, circular economy is one of the principles of it is is to be inclusive. And if we can use uh, these technologies to make uh, the built environment more inclusive, that is really going towards a better place. So we're thinking of uh, extended reality as a technology that can help us make decisions for a more sustainable built environment so that we can have uh, people from the community uh, visualize really what the decision making will look like in their city. And this can be done thanks to extended reality. And this was something that we wouldn't be able to communicate so well before. What is the impact of our decision making? And now we can simulate that and show the citizens what it's going to look like. We can also have people who are doing very... Sorry, comp- what, just if you could explain extended reality. Oh, yeah, sorry. So, so, so maybe people know the word virtual reality more. So that's one of the ways of doing extended reality. So that means you have seen maybe these hololenses where you uh, look into and then you, you see another world. That's, so that's virtual reality. You have also augmented reality when you scan something with your phone and on your phone it, it shows something that isn't there in reality, but that augments the reality. Maybe, maybe it gives some information on, uh, on, on what you're seeing. And so I use the word extended reality as a way of encompassing all of these different virtual, augmented, mixed reality technologies. So let's say for this decision-making uh, process of, of actions that you want to take to make a city more, let's say, sustainable, more circular, more resilient, more regenerative, we, we make then simulations of what it's going to look like. And then you can put on the headset that shows you what it's going to look like, right? That helps you communicate about what the implications of your design decisions are. You, you can use also uh, augmented reality, for example, when you go on a building site that is about to be demolished and it, you scan elements and it gives you el- information about these elements. This is a timber beam that has been there since 30 years and this is what uh, the characteristics are. We, we call this material passports where we have a passport of all of the materials that are in a building. So all of these technologies really help us make the built environment hopefully a better built environment, uh, hopefully more circular. Uh, And that's really where I think these digital technologies are are really important because they offer new possibilities that we didn't have before. And especially the scaling up is really important. Um, So now we have a lot of very cool niche projects where we applied circular economy principles because the client was very open-minded, because it was pushed through by a certain architecture office. But uh, what we need is that all of the buildings are uh, done with circular economy principles in mind, right? And, uh, and to upscale this using big data, using AI, using extended reality, using some ways of digital fabrication can maybe help us uh, do that. It's absolutely fascinating. Do you get pushback? People saying, as I said, that, that 
that sort of idea, these you know, artificial and intelligence and futuristic sort of things that people are very alarmed about? Do you get pushback that that is not what we want in yeah, this I future mean, we're dreaming of? Of course, of course. I mean, um, there is... And I'm not saying that everything should be uh, digital and that uh, we should solve everything with digital technologies. There's, there's a lot of things that can be solved in a very analog way. And, and actually, when we talk about regenerative materials to build buildings, we often uh, think about earth or clay or, or, or bamboo or these kind of uh, materials that have always been around and uh, that um, are not so energy in intensive. But I think it would be not correct to say that we don't need the digital technologies and that we don't that they don't offer anything for more circular built environments we are all using uh, smartphones at the moment and they help us do things more efficiently than before right they help us communicate and, and I think communication is really key in building more circular we need to communicate with different stakeholders and if uh, digital technologies can help us communicate in a better way, in a more efficient, in a more user-friendly way, then we will be able to share the information that we need now. And now we work a lot in silos. The different stakeholders of the construction industry are very much working in their own silo without talking to each other. So harvesting these communication technologies and these design tools so that we not communicate across those stakeholders, across those contractors, architects, engineers, clients, developers, insurance uh, providers, uh, cities, governmental institutions. We really need to communicate much more uh, and connect the dots between all of the stakeholders. And I really think that digital technologies can help us. So I, I'm not saying that we should use digital technologies in every aspect, but I'm saying that we should explore the potential of digital technologies because they have a lot of potential to solve problems that we didn't have before. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. I suppose as ever, as long as they're in the right hands. Exactly. And the ideas are the ideas of people like you. Um, I mean, tell us about some of the things that you're working on, your, your research. And I notice all of them fascinating. Digital fabrication. So you're trying to analyse how um, robotic fabrication can play a role in dis and reassembling buildings. Um, tell us more about that. Yeah, so there is still lots of research to be done in robotic fabrication before we get to that point where we can disassemble and reassemble buildings entirely because uh, buildings are such unique pieces and such big pieces. So to be able to do that, we would need precision and also so robots that are capable of being very precise and of being very much capable of, of carry weight. And usually it's one or the other. But there is some research being done at ETH uh, that starts into that direction. The research that I'm doing in my lab is more about how to use digital fabrication technologies to help connect structural materials to each other or other types of materials. But let's say you have a demolition site and you have some concrete columns or beams that you can uh, recuperate from that demolition site. But it will never be a perfect column or a perfect beam because usually concrete is cast in a very monolithic way. So you will have to cut parts of that. And so these elements that are connected to each other are not as perfect as when you have it from the factory or when you cast it on site. And so you need something to connect through that. And so we do some match casting exercises, so meaning that we 3D print connections that are really uh, adapted to those spoke elements, right? Uh, so this is something... But this is a good example of something that we wouldn't be able to do before. Imagine if you would have to make these connections by hand and each of them are unique because you adapt them to waste materials, you wouldn't be able to upscale this, this work. 
but by 3D printing something, you scan something and you 3D print a connection that is adapted to this specific elements, you could upscale this approach, right? And that's the kind of research that we do. Which is fascinating. Also, um, you've talked about artificial intelligence and, and AI. How do you, uh, other than what you've mentioned in terms of extended reality, um, because that comes under the, under the branch of AI, does it? I would, I would say it's two different things. We use AI and extended reality together yeah. in, in our projects. But what I was talking about, about visualizing and communicating was more about extended reality. Yeah. But I can also give an example of, of the use of AI. Please um, do, yeah. So we have a lot of images of buildings in cities, well, Google Street View images or social media images or even just photographs or satellite uh, images. And this is a huge amount of data that we have that we can analyze. And what we do is we developed and applied machine learning algorithms that can learn from all of this image-based data and recognize which materials are in the city today. It can also recognize which buildings are being demolished and renovated. We also look at it throughout time so that we can predict which buildings are likely to be demolished or renovated soon, what materials are in these buildings, uh, so that we can know about the stock of materials that are in the city so we can use the city as a mine. So this is the concept of urban mining, where we mine buildings instead of the earth for materials for a new construction. What um, are you most excited about in the coming year, maybe couple of years? You're obviously working on some pretty extraordinary things. What most excites you and drives you to get up each morning? Well, what most excites me is the passion of uh, the students that I see at uh, ETH and at universities in general. The, the new generation has a really big passion and activism towards a more environmental, um, environmentally friendly future. Uh, they're very engaged also in the larger sense of sustainability, also the, the social aspects of sustainability. And they're really motivated to regenerate a better future. And that is really exciting. So I see on the one hand, you have these emerging technologies and that again, the new generation is also very eager yeah. and, and uh, skilled in these technologies. And they've been basically raced with this emergence of these technologies. And on the other hand, they're also uh, really activist in terms of uh, environmental impact of the things that we do. And I see a lot of demand from those really very well-skilled digitally young people who also want purpose in their job, right? They could get any job that is very well paid because uh, if you know any, anything about AI uh, or computer science in general, you get a very well paid job anywhere in any company, but they want a job with purpose. And that really gives me a lot of enthusiasm for the future. I think more and more people want to apply those technologies for good and for a better future. And that really makes me happy. That's so interesting. So you're basically generally a much more um, tech savvy youth combined with a much more environmentally conscious youth is, a, is something that really excites you and probably should excite us all because those two things together is what you're preaching. It is what I'm preaching and I think it should excite us all that we have this uh, younger generation. Not, I'm not saying that the other generation should not uh, take action as well. Uh, I mean, we need everyone on board for making this transition happen. But I think it's really inspiring to see that they are so engaged and that they have keys to, to take action. You say everyone on board. And what we're talking about here is it is pretty specific. So I expect the majority of people listening will think fascinating, but this doesn't involve me necessarily. I can't get involved in this. Can they? 
Well, I mean, obviously, I work specifically on the construction sector. That's what I do. But I think when you think about uh, the people that are in my lab, we have engineers and architects, of course, but we have also computer scientists. We have uh, anthropologists. We have many different competences in our lab, uh, going from ecology to uh, hardcore coding. And so we, we really need every type of skills because circular economy is such a complex thing. Uh, it's, and, and the built environment is such a complex thing. And we cannot solve it just by engineering. We cannot solve it just by having our own skills in our corner. So I think everyone who has a skill and has a passion and uh, wants to be engaged towards a better future can collaborate within labs like mine, but also in other fields. I think it's about putting your skills to service of a more regenerative future. And whether that's in the built environment or in another sector, I think it's about thinking about what are you good at, what are you creative at, and what can that bring, uh, how can you bring that for a bigger purpose? So just finally, I, I've t we've touched on this, but it's just so interesting to me whether it's very troubling to you because uh, uh, the sort of language and the discourse around the sorts of things that you're talking about, because for me as a journalist uh, and I take in like a lot of people do a lot of news and in recent months particularly in the UK I think it's been the same across Europe there's been a lot of worry and fear and just negative discourse around AI and it's, it's sort of the potential of it taking jobs all the things it might do there's been a lot of warnings out there does that disrupt what you do do you, do you sit there and think you know, we need to be more positive about this. Well, I, I mean, I think we should be worried about the impacts of AI. Uh, and I think it is going to disrupt a lot of things and sometimes negatively. And we should be careful with this transition. But what I'm saying is we cannot avoid it. It's not like we are going to say we're going to make a law that, you know, prevents AI or that's not, that's not going to be something we can do. And I think what I'm saying is, it has a lot of power. AI has a lot of power. Why don't we use it to solve these complex problems and these complex situations towards a better future, right? So as long as we offer purposeful jobs to those people who has those, have those skills, they will use that and do something for a more circular built environment, for example, rather than trying to uh, scam people or trying to win a war or something like the, the more scary things that we have been talking a lot about. So I think it's not a technology that is a problem, it's how you use the technology. And that has always been something scary every time a new technology came al along. It is scary because lots of things change and it is about how you use the technology, not about the technology itself. Do you want to finish by giving one more example of something you're working on? You've given some extraordinary specific examples that to many people, you know, they really won't have known these ways in which you're using computer technology to positive in the mm. built environment. Do you have any more examples? Well, I mean, we've been talking about AI and maybe something that everyone now knows a bit more about is AI has been used a lot in, in matchmaking apps to find uh, a person to uh, love. And I think uh, this, this concept of matchmaking is also interesting when you talk about stakeholders in an industry, because I was talking about the fact that in the construction sector, we work a lot in silos. And the architect doesn't know who, who is the subcontractor who is putting in the windows in a building that he, he or she designed. And, and so the fact that 
we are not communicating, we are not connecting with each other, is really hindering that transition towards a more circular built environment. And the fact that we can use AI now to understand the profiles of the different stakeholders and match them with each other, and someone who is disassembling their house can sell or provide the materials that they would otherwise have to throw away to another architect that is designing a new house that would want to uh, minimize their impact. So I think I'm, I'm very excited about also the, the positive impact of these technologies, of this matchmaking uh, that we can do between the different stakeholders so that we can collaborate more. And I think being more inclusive and more collaborative is really what we need towards a more regenerative built environment. Thank you very much. Absolutely fascinating. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to In Line With Nature, brought to you by the Closters Forum, hosted by me, Hannah McInnes, produced by Claire Heaton and supported by the wonderful team at the Closters Forum. We'd love to hear your thoughts, suggestions or any questions you might have about the episode. Just send your email to podcast at theclostersforum.com and make sure to tune in for our next instalment.